Um, hey, we're going to start a new series this morning. And uh, as you can see up here, it's called Love Revolution. And uh, let's pray. Thank you, Father. Father, what a powerful morning in your presence we've already had. And uh, I know you're doing a work in our hearts today in a special way. You're always working, of course. Um, and yet there are these special moments and special seasons. And I thank you that um, as these walls are coming down, Father, and that bright new world has something to do with what we're going to talk about here today. And we thank you, Father, that we would have ears to hear what you're saying to each of us individually as well as collectively in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this summer, uh, and some of you have heard parts of this already if you were at the ladies' retreat, but this summer I was hearing this idea that all you need is love. Hmm, have we heard that somewhere uh, before? Could we have that? Let's see. Jeff, there you go. Okay, okay, I go back to the time of the Beatles. I had the original albums, yes, the backward masking stuff, you know, all those questions that were asked for you youngins, but don't even know about that. Uh, but you know, I got to thinking this summer that all you need is love that, you know, I think the Beatles had something right. All you need is love. So then we got to the ladies' retreat, and I was going to speak about this, and that morning I heard yet another word that I believe is from God, and that word is revolution. Huh. The Beatles again. Come on, Casey. You <laughs> say you want a revolution. Well, you know. We all want to change the world, right? Yes, that's right. We want to change the world. You know, and the Beatles were part of changing the world, by the way, and changing our culture. And, uh, and it's very interesting. Maybe they just had a bit of a connection to God because that love revolution. Uh, you know, in, in the 60s, it was about free love. It wasn't quite the kind of love we're talking about here. It, although we are talking about free love, we're not talking about the same kind of free love. <laughs> Anybody in here that was a hippie in those days? <laughs> oh, Jean, make, Jean, wave your arm. She was a hippie. <laughs> My sister was. She, she went over for three months to India and just traveled the land and long hair and no makeup and came to had a, they had a, a v, for those of you who know, this was some of the signs of the time, flower child, you know, uh, a VW van, and yeah, well, anyway, they, they changed the world. They did change the world. And I believe the Lord wants to have a love revolution now. As a matter of fact, let's see here, I think I have that, that God wants a love revolution, and I want to even bring it in a little bit to Genesis specifically, and Casey, you're going to love this. Uh, did you tell me, did you say last night that you hadn't planned to do that last song and then you added it in later? Yeah. 
It was God. <laughs> so right before the ladies' retreat, when Rachel Washington was leading our worship, some of you weren't here, and that was the day we were she was moving to Florida, and uh, at the very end of the service, uh, we had several special events happening, and one of which is we were going to pray for her and, and send her off. And just before that, she began to sing. And what she began to sing is, the atmosphere is changing now. The last song we sang today, it's so God. I think it's a very prophetic thing that you chose, that the Lord that you heard from the Lord to sing that today because I think that this is an apostolic prophetic message to our church and really to the body of Christ. And when, that, and when she began to sing that song, I, mean, I was sitting on the front row and the Spirit of the Lord just, it was like something hit me in the face and uh, I just began to weep and I didn't expect any of that to happen. And at the ladies' retreat, what I began to realize is that the atmosphere is changing now and what's happened is Pastor Jeff took us the first step into this change apostolically that we're, it's time to begin again. And I think the way we're supposed to begin again is a love revolution. I think that's what God wants us to do. I think that's what God wants throughout the body of Christ is a love revolution and that it's an apostolic and a prophetic word to us here at Genesis. This is what he wants is a love revolution. And um, so let's look at some of that. Let's look at what's, uh, we're just going to scratch the surface of it here today, lay a foundation. I believe there, we don't know how many weeks this series will run. Uh, Pastor Chad and Pastor Marissa, I want you to be thinking about what you have to say about love revolution. Pastor Jeff's going to say some things as well over the next weeks. So let's start with this. What's the big deal about love? I mean, you know, it's kind of common. It's kind of basic. It's kind of everyday. I mean, isn't everyday, gee, you'd like to hear the words, I love you, or love you, sister, love you, brother, love you, honey. I mean, aren't all the movies and all the songs, pretty much most of them have something to do with love, right? I mean, it's just a pretty basic thing. So, you know, what's the big deal? Well, I think that's why it is a big deal is that because every day we're thinking about being loved. Every day we're needing love. Every day, every person on the face of the earth, not just in America, but throughout the world, needs and wants and desires and has a craving for love. It doesn't matter what, whether you're a man or a woman or whether you're black or white or green. <laughs> I must have seen your shirt subconsciously. <laughs> Whether you're educated, uh, whether, you're, whether you're a child or an adult, right? Right? It doesn't matter whether you're in school, whether you like your job, whether you don't like your job. It doesn't matter whether you're married or single. It none of that matters. It's a universal need to be loved. It's a, it, it is such a big deal that everything always comes back to love. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody desires it. Love does great things. It heals broken hearts. It heals broken marriages. It heals loneliness. It, it, it heals relationships. It probably heals bodies since our mind is so closely attached to what the sicknesses in our bodies. Love can, I believe, heal bodies. And so everyone is searching for love. And, and here's, here's the funny thing. 
1 John 4, 8 and verse 16 both say that God is love, right? So what is it everybody's craving? What is it that everybody's desiring? What is it that everybody's needing? What is it that everybody is looking for? God, right? We're looking for love, but really what we're looking for is God. And here's the next thing. Where are we most likely? Did I go too far? No, okay. So here we go. So what everyone is searching for is God. Okay, and where are we most likely to find God? Who said that? In us, thank you. In you. The place that people are most likely to find God is in you. So do you think that we might be able to say, we're not going to the next verse yet, do you think that we might be able to say that what people are searching for is you? Did you follow that train of thought? We're searching for and craving love. God is love, so they're searching for God. Where are they going to find God? In you. So really, they're searching for you. We need to have a love revolution. Let's look at this verse. You might say, what? I thought we were talking about love, and now you're talking about me? Well, let's look here. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. God's love is brought to full expression in you. People are searching for the love of God in you. Let's look at another verse. Your lives, we've heard about our lives being a living epistle. These are the verses where it comes from. Your lives are a letter. The word is also epistle in the King James. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It's carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. You are a letter from God written for people to see. You know, we know that Paul and Peter and James and some of the others, they wrote letters, right? We call them epistles. They're in our New Testament. They wrote letters. Well, God himself has written a letter, and, and, and it's called the book of Mary. It's called the book of Marissa. It's called the book of Bob. It's called the book of that Mary. It's called the book of Linda. Called the book of Cynthia. Called the book of Debbie. Called the book of Jean. Called the book of Zach. Called the, call, call the book of, of Tim. He wrote letters, and they have your name on them. So let's consider this again. God has written a letter to tell people in your world about Christ. Every, let's consider this. Everyone is searching for love, which means everyone is searching for God, which means they are most likely to find him in you, so there are people searching for you. I have another question. What's our Christian agenda? Have you thought about the fact that you have an agenda as a Christian? Well, you do. <laughs> you do. And sometimes it's a hidden agenda, 
and none of us like that. None of us like our hidden agenda. And I think it's time to bring our agenda out in the open, but we got to get our agenda right. You know, I think we could easily say that our agenda as Christians is the Great Commission. Go into all the world, <clears throat> excuse me, and preach the gospel and make disciples, right? But the thing of it is, is I think that we need to get a fresh understanding of what it is to go and preach the gospel. The word gospel means, everybody know what it means? Can anybody tell me what it means? Good news, right, you already knew. The gospel means good news. We're supposed to be going into all the world and preaching the good news. And I think that there has been a revelation and a fresh understanding of what this good news is. And we've got a fresh light on what it means to be good news. And that is, is that through Christ, sin no longer enslaves us. Sin no longer has power over us. That through Christ, we're reconciled to God. Through Christ, we have peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Through Christ, it's Emmanuel, God with us, God in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Folks, that is the good news. The good news is that we've been reconciled to God. And there's, there's, there's no separation that we're discovering our original identity of being one with him. That's good news. Yet over the years, and maybe some of us in here have been a part of this, this is certainly the greatest reason why people in our generation, not, and, and I don't just mean my age, I mean in the last 10, 20 years, okay? In this last 10 to 20 years, one of the greatest reasons that, is, that has been documented that people don't even want to go to church is because they're going to be condemned. And that is the way of the past. Hell, fire, and brimstone. Let me tell you about your sins. Repent. Get rid of it. Get right with God or else. But we have a fresh revelation that, you know, that's not what this is all about. It's not about preaching about a moral list of right and wrong. Now, we can preach what the Word says, we can talk about what the Word says, but not from this standpoint of, you gotta, you gotta get it together, you gotta get it right. And by the way, if you don't, you're not in my crowd. I'm holding you at an arm's length until you get your understanding together, until you quit your sinful life. Oh, excuse me, he that is without sin, let them cast the first stone, <laughs> right? right? So instead of reconciliation to Christ, through this moral list of right and wrong that we've been preaching, we've been bringing a lot of division into the world. We Christians have done that unknowingly, meaning well, wanting to follow Jesus, but we've got to turn around and get this fresh revelation. I think that this fresh revelation, back to this apostolic prophetic uh, thing that is happening here at Genesis. As I was sitting there, I got to thinking about how that really all of this change has started a number of years ago here. This, and the roots have been going down deeper and deeper. And I think that when we moved into this building, we had, we had a burst, a breakthrough of that sapling coming up out of the roots that had been, been growing. And I think it's now what's happening is this sapling is going to grow and, and bear more and more fruit uh, in the way of a love revolution. And that love revolution is about reconciliation to Christ. That love revolution is about we are one with him. That love revolution is that we are not here to be judged or be judging, but to, but to love and accept and forgive. You know, it's not about correct doctrine. You know, I have to ask myself, 
And you may think this strange from, I mean, I'm a minister of the gospel and have been for, almost, for 35 years. And you may think it's strange to hear this, but I have to ask, what is correct doctrine anyway? Now, for theologians, they might want to slap me around a little bit and say, oh my gosh, I cannot believe you just said that. But think about it. I don't know how long you've been a believer. I've been a believer for over 40 years. I would say 10, 15, 20 years ago, we began to realize that the stuff we preached in the 80s, because we had a church in the 80s and we were preaching, we no longer agreed with all of it. We agreed with some of it, but we were like thinking, well, let's not let those messages get out to anybody because we'd be certainly embarrassed. But you know, our understanding grew. We became more aware. We learned more. We grew in our faith. We grew in our understanding of God. And therefore, we didn't teach everything we taught in 1982, 85, 90. Then about five, 10, in the last five, 10 years, we've come into more understanding. And you know what? I don't believe everything I believed 10, 20 years ago, not to mention 30, 40 years ago, because we've come into fresh revelation and fresh understanding. So what is it? What is, what is correct doctrine? Why it, what makes the Baptist doctrine better than the Methodist doctrine? Or the Methodist doctrine better than the charismatic doctrine? Are the charismatic doctrine better than the evangelical doctrine? If you read Romans chapter 14, you'll find out that they had a, 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 a difference of beliefs in the church back then. And that all of them were serving God according to their own conscience that they were all loving the same God, but had a different viewpoint of what the scripture said. But they were serving the Lord, and that was the most important part. So I'm not saying we shouldn't learn. I'm not saying we shouldn't grow. I'm not saying we shouldn't study scripture. We're definitely going to teach particular doctrines, if you will, from this church here. I'm not saying we shouldn't have doctrine. I'm not saying we shouldn't be studiers. We should study to show ourselves approved. But here's the deal. Is that what makes us Christians? Is that what makes everything right? Is having the right doctrine? Let's look at this scripture. So now I am giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus speaking. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Is it our doctrine that will prove to the world that you are his disciples? Look at it, what is it? Hello? Everybody? Everybody? Thank you, it's our love for one another. It's our love. This is why here at Genesis, our saint, one of our, what would, I don't know what the right term, our ethos is, is belong, believe and become. We want people to be able to belong here even if you're not sure what you believe. Even if you're not sure you believe what we believe. We want to love people whether or not we all believe the same thing. It's okay. It's okay if you don't believe everything we preach from this pulpit. It's okay if you don't believe what, every, what the person next to you believes. As a matter of fact, I think we're a little bit in denial to think that everybody in this room does believe all the same things. We're, we're probably a lot in denial to think that everybody in this room believes all the same things. It's not 
all about that. What it's about is a living relationship with Jesus Christ. What it's about is loving the Lord our God first and loving each other second. That's what is most important without the fear of being judged because we believe something different. Without the fear that we're going to be held at arm's distance if we don't believe everything the same. So what's our Christian agenda? Shouldn't our Christian agenda be to care about people and to love people? I think so. I think our Christian agenda should be about that, not about do you believe everything the way I believe it. We're supposed to be ministers of reconciliation, not ministers of division. Interesting thought. I think we could sum up our Christian agenda, and I don't have a slide about this because I, I got this after the slides were done. But I think we could sum up our Christian agenda by saying this. We are going into all the world preaching the good news of reconciliation by being ministers of reconciliation, living a peace, epistles of loving and caring for people. Let me say it again. We could sum up our Christian agenda by saying, we're going into all the world preaching the good news of reconciliation by being ministers of reconciliation, by being living epistles of loving and caring for people. So, how can we start? How can we start a love revolution? You know, Elvis, the Beatles, politicians, books, songs, there have been many things that have changed a culture and that have been revolutionary and have changed the way we believe, the way we think. Our, man, the TV preaches to us every day. The movies are pre preach to us. The songs we listen to, us, to preach to us. And some of them create a revolution that changes a culture, that changes millions of lives and the way we do things. And maybe, just maybe, you personally are not one of those people who's called to change an entire culture but you are most certainly called to change your world and your realm of influence. And by the way, maybe some of you are called to change an entire culture. I think a lot of those people who changed culture didn't even know what was gonna happen. They just had a song. They had an idea. They had a book, and it took off. So maybe, just maybe, you are called. You know how people have favorite books of the Bible? or favorite books, period, and then there's favorite books of the Bible or a favorite scripture. Do you think that maybe you could be a person's favorite epistle? You could be a person's favorite book? You know, the book of Patty, the book of Rick, the book of Emily, the book of Caitlin. Could you, maybe you could just might be somebody's favorite book and favorite epistle that they want to read because you're going around being the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, right? We love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Maybe you're the love chapter. Shouldn't you be the love chapter? Can we let our living epistle be the love chapter? Well, here at Genesis, we definitely want to have a love revolution. I'm not sure what else I have up here. Let's see. There we go. You be people's favorite book and favorite epistle by loving and caring for them.
So here at Genesis, we want to have a love revolution. And one of the, there's some ways it started, as, as, that is as a group, as a group it started when we have Hot Dog Wednesday. Um, many of you have heard this, some of you are newer and haven't heard this. When we started Hot Dog Wednesday almost a year ago, the Lord spoke to us to just go and love people. It wasn't about preaching, it wasn't about telling them everything we knew. It wasn't about asking them if they were Christians or Christ followers. It was about loving people. And um, at that point, I was in charge of, of it at the time, and I was driving on the way here that day, and I was going, well, Lord, now, is that right? Is that really what our agenda is, is just to love people? We don't have to preach to them. We, we, it's, it's, not, it's not even our goal, you know, if it happens, if, if they ask questions, but just, just love people. Just be kind. You know, by the way, you know the, the, the first description of what love is in 1 Corinthians 13 is to be patient and to be kind. So when you're being patient and kind, you're actually being love. So just be kind to people. Just be friendly. And I drove up to a, a light, and there was a car in front of me, and there was a bumper sticker on this car. And here's what it said, believe it or not, on the way to hot, the first hot dog Wednesday said, love people, cook them tasty food. I had a sign from God, <laughs> literally I had a sign from God that confirmed it, that confirmed that's what we were supposed to do, love people and just cook them tasty food. And so for almost a year now, that's what we're doing every Wednesday for an hour is we love people and we, and we hand out hot dogs and we learn names and every week somebody says to us, why are you doing this? And we go, well... We just want to be a part of our community. We want to give back into our community. We'd like to meet some members of our community. It's just a way for us to, to, to love on our community. And they go, oh, well, that's great. Many times, then, a conversation will start that they start. Well, is this a church? Oh, well, I've gone to church, or I've quit going to church, or I've this, or I've that, whatever number of things they've said. And or maybe they start talking about how they're having this problem at home or having a problem in their body. Bob has prayed for a thousand people. <laughs> We've all prayed for many people at Hot Dog Wednesdays because it just comes up. And then there's others. We give them their hot dog. We have a nice greeting and they go on their way. We're starting a love revolution here at Genesis. What about, what about Trick or Treat Street the other night? You know, I know that Christians are bothered by Halloween, you know, the devil's holiday, but I want to tell you something. When we do Trick or Treat Street, we're not celebrating Halloween. We're not celebrating um, the devil's holiday. What we're doing is we're being living epistles to people. We are going into all the world, all the world, wherever people are. We're going, and that was one way the Lord has given us. Man, we had like 2,000 people come through. We handed out about 300 flyers and gave candy to cute kids and adults. <laughs> and thank you, by the way, for contributing the candy. We had more than enough, so now there's candy also in our, in our kids' club. So we're being living and loving epistles that people could read our lives. Bingo! Oh my gosh, what about bingo? <laughs> you know what? We have a congregation at bingo. We, ha we see these people as our congregation. 
We love these people. We are learning names. We are, uh, Linda just sat down and spent about 10 minutes or more the other day with, with Cindy and her husband, yeah? And we're learning names and learning people's stories. Um, I had, I, I know Bob's prayed for people. I think we, again, probably all have. Uh, Jeff's had some incredible encounters. I had one lady that uh, would just, real friendly with and what and she was telling me about oh well I did I told you I was going to be here every time but I didn't make it last week because of the cold and my asthma and I said well you know what I'm going to pray for you for this uh, regarding this asthma and she said oh her eyes lit up and she said, would you? She said, thank you so much. And I said, oh, definitely. She goes, well, I have lots of prayer needs. And I said, well, you know, we'd be happy to pray if you want to just let me know what they are. And I'll send it to our prayer team. She grabbed my hand and she said, you are my angel. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm telling you, we're going into all the world where people are. And we're having a love revolution. Our healing cafe We've just done it for two Friday nights now, and people are coming in. And they're getting coffee, and they're getting prayer. And it's been, and we, and we don't know them. You know, it's, they're brand new people. We, now, we have a few of you that come and help, come and fellowship, and, but we also have people we don't know. People who are going, oh, free coffee? Okay, I'll come get free coffee. What an opportunity. And these are just a few. There's so many more. Our daycare, please continue to pray for our daycare. Because if, when we get that going, what an amazing way to touch the lives of families in our community. But you know, these aren't the only ways to have a love revolution. Of course, on your job, in the marketplace, in the grocery store line, at your kids' games, um, wherever you go, you are a living epistle. You can be a love revolution. You can determine that you're going to change the face of your workplace. <clears throat> One of the stories I was talking to someone about this concept, and I was also talking to them about, well, you know, the, even just the first two definitions of what love is, is patient and kind. She said, oh, well, my daughter, a senior in high school, made a determination that she was going to, her goal for every day that year in her senior year was to be kind, to kind to teachers, kind to students, kind to people who worked there at the school, and so she did. And it changed the way that whole class responded in their senior year. By the end of the year when they were giving out awards, they were giving out all these awards and she hadn't gotten one and they had come, seemed to have come to the end of these different characteristics that they were awarding and her mom thought, how can she have not been gotten one of those? And then they said, and then we have two more students who have exhibited all these characteristics and she was one of them. Listen, that can be you. That can be you wherever you go and whatever you do, as you are a living epistle, loving and caring for people. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave himself. And now it's our turn. We can so love the world that we give ourselves and have a love revolution. I'm sure that there are many ways to do this, and over the next weeks, we're gonna look at this, and it, 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 whether it's as Genesis as a community, or it's you and your family, or it's you as an individual, where we can be part of God's plan to revolutionize the world with love, with Him, because He is love, amen? 
Amen. Amen.